Welcome to Comic Sans, everyone. The podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. I'm Yen, and I am the comics half of this podcast. And with me today is a special guest. First time on the show. I'm Nat. I'm long, the s- long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> first time sitter, talker. I'm Nat. I'm the sans half of the show. I know nothing about comics. Oh, I used to. And you now used to. You used to. We are in episode three of season two. Wow, wow, wow. I have read... Well, we had a couple bonus episodes. Check, yeah, check so those you, out if so you have you've it. read at least 12, 12 I would say. I've read 12, 12 words. <laughs> 12 sentences. Now, I've read 12 <laughs> comics. Yes. Um, and so I no longer can say I'm fully sans, but I think relative to you, I'm still pretty sans. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And, and in many other regards as well. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's on every episode. <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny to say that he's calling yeah, ju- in. Yeah, just in case this is your first time <laughs> in case listening. This is your first time in. <laughs> yeah, I'm unfortunately, you know, I'm there all the time. He's subject to this uh, pretty regularly. Yeah. Actually, Nat, to get real. Sure. To get to get very serious. Up to this point, we were lying. Yeah, no, no, to get to the, the heart of the matter. Sure. Our producer pointed out that I had a massive oversight in our previous episode. Please tell me. I, I need to know. And I'd like to apologize to, oh. the, to the fans. An apology. To the listeners. To God, maybe? I don't. I don't want to involve her oh, in this. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Something to think about. <laughs> Ariana Grande. I do love that song. It's I love Ari. Song. Do you know that? I love Ari. Do you know that I stand Ariana Grande? You want to get to your apology? <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about me and Ari. So something I neglected to bring up in our previous episode. Yeah. So in the isekai. Uh huh. Do you remember what the isekai is? Right. Someone gets transported to yes, another world. Yes. Yes. Right? And Very- it's typically for young boys. Well, it became for young boys, right. but before that, it was you know the audience shifted. But but the main thing I want to bring up is that yeah. the method of transportation very often is that the protagonist has a near death or death experience, uh-huh. very frequently involving getting hit by a truck. What? And so there's this thing called truck kun. So kun is an honorific for like a, a semi formal one for boys, right? And Truck-kun is like a character that people say unites all the isekais. And it's the same truck <laughs> that is killing all of these people. I like to believe it's Optimus Prime. Oh, that'd be great. Man. Yeah? Wait, but now I'm not done oh. with my thing yet. Okay, sure. Which is that what I neglected to point out, right? Nan, I'm going to test your memory on this. Do you remember what caused Daredevil's blindness? Oh, yeah. A truck was going to hit <laughs> a man. He jumped... It. So what you're saying is Daredevil is an isekai? Yes, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that truck is the same truck as every other truck. Segwaying to today's episode, yes. is there a truck involved? No, there isn't. So the point of bringing that up... No, there was no, there was no reason. Actually, you know, now I'm going to segue it. Watch this. Watch this. Sure. I'm watching. There's no, He's watching. <laughs> I'm watching. And, and I hope you're listening, folks, to this segue. There's no truck in today's reading. There's no punching. There's no fantasy. There's no action. We're reading something very different today. We're reading a graphic novel for young adults. Ooh. Uh, we that's are... me. No. No? No, that's not what a young adult. I'm it's... not a young adult. You're not a young adult. I consider myself a young adult. But you're not Wait, a young what's adult. What's the age of a young adult? A young adult is like uh, 16 to 18 or something. That's a teenager. No, no, no. So a teenager is like a younger bracket. And then young adult. I self-identify as a young adult. Okay. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Sure. <laughs> So a graphic novel for young adult without punching, without 
What would you also say? No fighting, no, no trucks. Fighting, no action, no, none of the usual mayhem. Okay. That we've been reading in a lot of our more perhaps, I'll say it, male-oriented books. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least how we perceive them to be, you know. I think everything we're reading can be read by anyone. But the yeah. market sometimes considers these books to be more oriented towards boys or, or men. Nat, can you remind us, can you remind our dear listeners what a graphic novel is? It's been a while. You can do it. You can do it. I mean, I remember us having a discussion yeah. about how the distinction, the line between graphic novel and comic is a tenuous one. Yes, It's, a, right, it's, yeah, it's yeah. an arbitrary yeah. one. Yes, it's yeah, one yeah. of semantics. Yes. Right? But generally, graphic novels are what people would say are more literary works, maybe more prosaic in the text. Okay, okay. Perhaps, maybe. Oh, perhaps. and also, I know, I remember okay. something. It ends. Yes, that's what we're looking for. Ding, yes. ding, 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 ding. Chicken dinner. Winner, is, winner, chicken it dinner. It is singular. In yes. It's story. There's a beginning, middle, and end. Oh, and then there's no music continuation. Music to my ears. Or maybe music there is. Maybe ears. it's like, I don't know. Eh, sometimes sequels. there's sequels or yeah, something. Yeah. But the idea is that the thing you're holding in your hands finishes within itself. It's complete. Or completes at some point. Yeah. With an end goal in mind. Right. Yeah. So this one summer is curious for its dual accomplishments. Okay. So one of them, or one half of these set of accomplishments, is that it's the first graphic novel to win the Caldecott Prize. You know what the Caldecott Prize is? No idea. It's the most distinguished award for American picture books for children. Oh. Okay, so that's a, it's a huge deal. Yeah. It's a huge deal. And it won the Eisner for best graphic novel. That one I know. You remember the Eisner? I know right? the Eisner. So that's the... That's like the Oscars of yes, the comic book yes, world. Or the Tonys. Of which Singaporean comic book artist Sunny Liu, shout out Sunny, has won shout out. three... Yes, correct. Yeah. So you're appraised of the Eisners. Yes, yes. And now are you are you appraised of this next list? Are you ready for this list? Sure. This is the other half of the accomplishment. Right, this one right. One of the 10 most demanded books to be removed from libraries in 2016. What? So there's an organization that monitors Globally? This, uh, well, in America. Okay. In America. And they monitor which books most people are writing in to be like, get this out of here. That's insane. And this one summer, the year after winning the Eisner and getting the Caldecott, and a, a Prince Honor book, as well as New York Times notable children's book. Right, so that's a- Even that's after a, all that. After all that. Well, okay, this is part of it, right? It also could be because of that. Right. And we're going to get into that. Right. So what makes this one summer so controversial? There's no guts pouring out. There's no blood. There's no gore. There's no pornography. But what we do have- which I think is perhaps what was most upsetting to people, is an honest depiction of puberty that Ooh. doesn't sanitize being a teenager for its readership. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, it meets them where they're at. And you're going to be seeing this when you read it. Yeah. So this one summer is made by cousins, Mariko Tamaki and Jillian Tamaki. But I already don't like that I brought them up that way. <laughs> because to say that they're cousins kind of reduces that to a novelty and that's what's actually driving it forward. But that's not it at all. They're right. both very established creators in their own right. Right. Just, Ma just happen to be cousins. Yes. Yes. So Mariko Tamaki is the writer and Jillian Tamaki is the illustrator slash artist. But they don't actually see the demarcation as that neat either. Mm. Okay. And they both came into this. So this is their second collaboration. Mm -hmm. Their first collaboration was Skim in 2018. And their third collaboration was Roaming which is getting a lot of buzz, came out last year. And this is the second collaboration this one summer. And in between these books, the two of them have had very prodigious careers. Mariko Tamaki has written She-Hulk, Detective Comics, Harley Quinn. Oh, cool. 
uh, as well as his other graphic novel called Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me and other works. And Gillian Tamaki has produced regular work in Drawn and Quarterly, a comics periodical, which is slightly more highbrow. And we'll probably get to some work from Drawn and Quarterly eventually, as well as a short graphic story called Junban in The New Yorker, which I think is really terrific. Right. So they're working on graphic novels now. And what's one of the big differences you pointed out just now? That it ends. It's it complete. ends, right? It ends. Yeah. And the other thing is that it's not serialized. Right. Well, at least in this case, it wasn't serialized. Yeah. Right. And so that means they have a lot more time to work on things. Right. And they can linger and they can develop the idea. Mm. And then when they bring it to the editor, they're ready with it. Yeah. They're not necessarily scrambling to get things done. Right. There's, in, no, there's no time pressure to get the next serial serial to get the next issue out. Yeah, in the same way that, say, uh, Mark Wade and Chris Samney were doing with Daredevil. Right, right, yeah. Right, and and so I think what makes that worth noting is that they have space and time to explore this collaboration with each other mm. and how can they do things differently. Yeah. Right, and so I'm going to be reading a couple quotes from Marco and Jillian today. Sure. Okay. Can you do it in an interesting voice? No. <laughs> that feels disrespectful, unless it's for Alan Moore. Okay, okay, okay. Who has a more interesting voice than I could ever do. Okay? <laughs> so Marco Tamaki describes it as this. The real goal is to have something that feels like a single story being told. Mm. Not a story being told twice, once by words and once by images. Right. Right. So, so the cohesiveness of the image and text. Exactly. It's about the playfulness between words and images. Right, And how can we make it a single story and not something that is like, okay, I wrote this script out and then now you do it. You do your right. thing and then that's it. Which goes back to what you were saying about how they don't draw that delineation between I'm the writer, you're the artist. Exactly. So neatly. Yeah. Right. And so actually the process is really interesting. Marco writes out what looks like play scripts. Mm. And then Jillian does the sketches and does the thumbnails and then it goes back to Marco and then they talk about it. And for this one summer, I think what they described doing is that they settled all of that. And then they brought it to the editor. Because once they get it to the editor, the editor's like, okay, now you've got a year to finish this. Right. And so they want to make sure they're in a great place before that happens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if we think of the script as a play, right? And, and Marco is the playwright. Yep. Right. Jillian is the actor, the set designer, the lighting, mm. right? But actually, the two of them together, that's the director. Right. Because right. they work together so seamlessly. They're steering the ship together. Mm. And the ship for this one summer is primarily about mood. Okay. Okay? It's not about you know big pizzazz action. It's about quite intimate. It's quite slow. It's about getting the reader into a frame of mind with these characters. Yeah. Okay. So what's it about? Purity, you mentioned. It's about two teenagers. Mm -hmm. Well, primarily Rose and her summer friend, Windy, who she visits at the beach town her parents frequent during the summer. Okay. And a big part of that environment is transience. There's the transience of the summer itself and the transience of the friendship between the two people changing. And then there's the transience as our protagonist and her best friend are both between childhood and adulthood. Not even they are permanent. Time is moving swiftly and slowly all at once. And we're going to see how Mariko and Jillian Tamaki explore that through montage, through panels, through page turns. Okay? Mm. So it's kind of about liminal space. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of liminality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's about the in-between. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think one way that's conveyed really evocatively and only in a comic book way is the color. Mm. So this one summer is monochrome. Yeah, I can see that from the cover already. Yes. It's purplish, pinkish hues. Yes. And what I want to point out, and this is interesting, is that for some reason the digital version, at least the one the ebooks that I found on like the National Library of Singapore yeah. database and everything, it's in black and white. But the print version is this purplish hue. Mm. And I don't actually know why there is that distinction. When 
I know the intention is for it to be this purple issue, right? So okay. as, as Jillian Tamaki puts it, on one level, I just thought it would look cool. <laughs> a lot of vintage manga... That's always a valid reason for any artistic <laughs> Very fair. Yeah. Um, she goes on, a lot of vintage manga is printed in that color and it looks awesome. Yeah. It is also appropriate because that color, dark purple, purple blue, to me, doesn't have such strong associations like, say, sepia or pink. Mm. Right? End quote. Right? So the purple is in this middle space where it can be moody, it can be happy, it can be exciting, mm. it can also be sad. Mm, yeah. It's not loaded with emotion in the I way that it, yeah. red is or blue is. That's why Barney's purple. You really think so? You want me to unpack that? Yeah, unpack that. No, unpack it. <laughs> no, unpack it right now. Unpack it. No, 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 no. I'm holding your feet to the fire. You know, unpack it. Barney exists in this liminal space. No, between, he doesn't. Between this inanimate soft toy and this larger than life dinosaur. Oh, that is dinosaur, true. That is right? true. And so he transits between both. And in the show, in the episodes, they explore different moods. Sometimes the kids are sad because it's raining. <laughs> For the listener, I want you to know and that then they sing, Matt's eyes are getting increasingly more frantic. <laughs> and then they sing, Oh, Mr. Sun. Sun. Mr. We're moving Golden on. Sun. We're moving you on. Know, sometimes they're oh, happy man. when the sun comes out. So again, the different moods. And so there's the color. The color mm-hmm. is one element. And mm-hmm. the other thing, and this goes back to this language of plays and stagecraft, yeah. which is the blocking of the bodies. Like the composition. The composition and where the bodies are framed and how they're existing I within see. the panel. Jillian Tamaki says this. A lot of her, her being Mariko's, work is about non-communication and blockages between people. Mm. So you're going to be reading that. You're going to be seeing this and you're going to see how Jillian explores that, not just with the bodies, like on stage, but with the panels and the gutters and the page composition itself. Mm. So I started talking about the divided recognition of this one summer. right? And they're definitely related, I think. And we kind of talked about this already. The fact that it was nominated and won an award for best book for children or young adults mm-hmm. then had people being like, okay, what can young adults read? That's what brought people in. They're like, actually, it's not inappropriate in of itself. It's inappropriate that it's being signaled that it's for young adults. Right. It can't be for kids because it's about queerness and sexuality and depression. That's not for kids. I mean, mm-hmm. some people would say. And that's what you would say, right? Just, and uh, <laughs> let's make it clear that's not what either of us are saying. <laughs> I, I, I'll make it clear Jen, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying either. So let's just put that on record. <laughs> but I think, you know, people think that's not for kids, but it is for kids because that's the world kids are in. Exactly. And you're going to see how this one summer does that. It replicates reality. This, again, goes back to what I'm saying. It's not about sanitizing and it's not about cleaning it up, right? And what I'm really intrigued by, and maybe we will talk about this more after I've read the comic itself. You got this copy of the book from the Singapore Library. No. Oh. This copy of the book is from, shout out to Shelby. Oh, shout out to Shelby again. Shout out to Shelby once again. (laughs) This is Shelby's copy of this one summer. But I did go to the National Library of Singapore website to check whether I could see the ebook to see whether it really was in color or not. I wanted to... Oh, yeah. okay. So do you know whether it's available in our libraries, the physical copy? It is available in our libraries. Okay, so that's interesting to me. There's about you know, six copies available. Singapore is, is not known yes. for our very lenient censorship. But I guess, I think the question is, and this is something worth exploring, is I don't know which section of the library it's in. Right. Yeah. Probably not in the children's section. Because there is like an adult graphic novel section. Right, yeah. right, right. Okay, okay. That's that's a good point. Because I was just curious like, if it wasn't like the list of the top 10 most yeah. the demanded books, you know, t- I well, would I imagine Singapore, Singapore would be right up with there, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think I think in Singapore, they don't keep track of the list. The book just gets taken off. <laughs> that's it. And so, yeah. And, and, and so these kids are learning about all these things anyway. And that's something that this one summer is depicting. Yeah. 
and a kid or a young adult that's reading this is reading this and is understanding that it's normal. Mm. There's nothing weird about this process of yeah. discovering these things yeah. and hearing things that maybe you're not supposed to hear and grappling with issues that may be a little bit beyond what we think of their age range in air quotes. Yeah. You know? And it really comes down to, I mean, when it comes to these topics, it really comes down to how you talk about it. Yeah. Rather than the topic itself. Exactly. Right? Because there's yeah. always, I mean, sure, there are always crude and inappropriate ways to talk about any topic. Yes. Let alone this one. Yeah. Right? But equally, there are beautiful and poetic and authentic and genuine and age-appropriate ways to talk about these topics in ways that we arguably should talk about these topics. And I think the key thing there is to talk about it without judgment. Yeah. Right. So to do it without this sort of prejudice and this sort of like, well, you shouldn't be doing that. You, they're going to see this and they're going to understand that. Yeah. And yeah, this this thing you're talking about beauty. And I think that's something that's really powerful about this one summer is the artistic melancholy in it. Mm. It's got this sense of remembrance, this transience. And it's this interplay between writer and artist mm. in a way that only comics can depict it. Mm. Right, that memory that I mean, come on, you definitely have like you know a summer friend, like a, a trip you went on or a school trip you went on, and then you had this really fiery friendship with a friend, and then you came back and you don't talk anymore. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. very common experience. Yeah, and this one summer is interesting because it's depicting we're getting one summer over this series of summers between these two, right? And we're hitting perhaps what is the inflection point for them, mm. and you're gonna see that a little bit. You're not gonna see the high points of that inflection of when they depart. And when they come back together and things like that. You know what? I'm enough of this. I'm just going to let yeah, you Yeah, I am really excited to read it. I mean, I'll get more into this later, but this is a topic that is of great personal interest to me. Yes. And we'll, we'll talk about it later. So for our readers and for Nat, this one summer isn't broken up into chapters. Okay. So it's a little harder to demarcate. Right. But there were just some sections that I just really wanted you to read. Okay. Right. And we're going to be reading pages 43 to 85 and 96 to 112. Based on this are there multiple it's numbered pa the pages are numbered are there multiple publications it's always like this oh true true so even online it's because the page turn matters correct of course. He's, he's learning I'm learning learning folks. so if you're listening right now is a good time if you got your hands on either the physical or digital copy pause this episode read those pages come back or read the whole thing if you want to Honestly, yeah definitely you could definitely read the yeah, whole thing but I'm yeah. only going to read those pages and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it so that's 43 to 85 and 96 to 112 and here you go Nat beautiful enjoy this one summer welcome back to our listeners and to nat who just spent some time reading spent a summer with windy and spent this one summer windy and rose with windy and rose nat same question as before as our previous episodes can you recap what you read for us in five words oh this is that's this is gonna be hard this is gonna be hard but remember mood right Right. Right. We're primarily transported into an atmosphere. What's that atmosphere like? I'm going to start a little bit abstract, a little bit tangential. Okay, okay. I'm going to say ladybird. Interesting. Okay, you should have saved that for a question later, but never mind. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, I, it just reminds me of yeah. that movie. Okay. It's sort of like, if you're not familiar, Ladybird is a movie that came out in 2018. I want to say. Great film. It's just really similar to this in the sense that it's just really hard to explain the plot at least from the fragments that I read. It's yeah. just sort of like yeah. this mood, this vibe, and this yeah. this slice of life, mm -hmm. I think it's the, the, the key that I'm getting as you follow these characters through their growing up. Yeah. So my first word is Lady Bird. Okay, my second spend word, less time on the next four. Sure. Friendship. <laughs> okay. Family. 
Okay, a little bland. Wow. <laughs> You, you want this to be the critique-free? No, no. You got to give me your five best words, man. Discovery. Okay. Okay. Discovery. And then I'm, the last word I'm going to give you is puberty. Okay. We talked about it. Okay. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a part of yeah, it. I have yeah, to yeah, say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. All right. All right. Okay. And now, now, Nat, can you tell us a little bit, in a little bit more detail about some of the scraps you read? And so, you know, to be clear, we, we are saying that I think the strength of this one summer is the mood. That doesn't mean it's without a plot. For sure. Right? Yeah. Its plot is very compelling, but I think the mood is the thing that's really transportative. Yeah. Anyway, so Nat, can you tell us about what you read in those two scraps I gave you? Well, at, on page 43, we kind of just start with Rose asking her mom whether she wants to go swimming. The mom yeah. kind of be like, no, not now. And then we get this super long like montage yes. of just like time passing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little just tableaus. I mean, I guess comics are always static. But sure. these are little like snapshots, tableaus yeah. of, of things happening over the course of the day. But then the day ends with Rose meeting Wendy. Yep. And they go to a little store, like a little convenience store that open, also happens to rent some DVDs. They rent a copy of Chainsaw Massacre? Um, yeah, I think it's Texas Chainsaw Texas Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They watch it. They get a little freaked out. Rose's mom comes home. It's just, you know, the classic teenage things. Yeah. You know, and then... They, and Stepping then, into forbidden territory. Yeah, and then it cuts over to this little monologue that I assume Rose is... Yeah. The, so Rose, Rose is, is, our, is the narrator. Yeah, so Rose is monologuing yeah. a bit about, about what she knows about sex. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of set to this backdrop of, of her and, and Wendy just hanging out. Yeah. Which I think is an interesting choice. Kind of end of going to the beach. Yes. And they're talking. Yeah. Just having a conversation about yeah. I mean, nothing much. Nothing, really, no, nothing just, of, of note. Just talking. Yeah. yeah. And then the next section, page 96, 112. This is a little more dramatic. This is a little more dramatic. And this is where I guess family came into the picture yes. for me. Yeah. I mean, we get a snapshot of Rosa's family, and you know, the dad tries to get a little intimate with the mom, trying to, you know, spice up the mood a bit. She's just not having it. They get into an argument, a plate breaks. You know, and Rose kind of storms off. The dad comes. Classic, you know, classic scene. Yeah. Dad comes like, hey, Rose, let's go for a walk. So they go for a walk and they look at the stars. And, and it kind of ends with Rose having a memory swimming with her mom. Yes. And how her mom taught her to see underwater, which in this little bubble that I've read, it's a nice sort of bookend to where we started with her yes. asking the mom, can we go swimming? Yeah. 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 And then right after that, we go back to present day where she's in the ocean with Wendy again. Ah, okay. I didn't get that. I yeah. thought that was still the flashback. But okay, yes, I see that right now. Yeah, so that's just a... I would say you've read maybe 25% of this one summer. Right. Maybe Definitely less. Yeah, yeah, less. Maybe 20%. Uh, but I really... You know, let's go to the first thing you talked about. Yeah. The montage. Yeah. That time sequence. Yeah. I mean, what... I, Describe it. Describe, tell people what's going on there. You already talked about the tableaus. Sure, sure. So, you know, after this five-panel page, conversation between Rose and her mom, yeah. you turn the page and... and I think what struck me in the following pages, because it's not just in his montages, throughout the whole section that I read is these beautiful full page spreads. Yes. I mean, just look at that. I mean, this is page. (laughs) Yeah, listener, look at that. (laughs) I can't, there's no no page number, 43, 44, 45, 46 and 47, right? It's it's, it's just Rose sprawled out on her bed, reading some sort of magazine. You see the whole room, it's it's messy, there's stuff on the floor, there's so many details, a cup on the floor, a plate and a mug. You know, and it's in the next page. There's also a full, oh, this is two one-page yes. spreads. Yeah. And you just get these different size tableaus, vignettes. And basically what's happening is that every spread or every panel has a timestamp on it. Yes. Right? So we start at, well, this one doesn't have one, but then we start at 1021. Mm-hmm. It goes to 1108, 1217, 1254. So it's really just random moments throughout the day. And yep. 
my read of it is sort of kind of pointing towards the mundanity mm-hmm. of Rose's day. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if there's more to it. And so, there's also snapshots of Wendy. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's kind of just the emptiness of a summer day. Yeah. It's that point of the summer when somebody asks you, hey, what day is it? And you're like, ah, I have no idea. Yeah. You know, I have no idea what day it is. I'm just, I'm just chilling. Yeah. So Rose reads a magazine yeah. on her bed. It has breakfast, you know, with just these like, this remnants of cutlery and, yeah. and leftover food. There's just a, like a bird's eye view of their little, I guess, where they're staying, which is a sort of the cottage, cottage yeah. situation. It's just her kind of standing on a swing and, oh, and there's Wendy in the background and they're just like playing on the swing, her dad driving, playing some mini golf in the afternoon. It's just really mundane. Yeah. And, but not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. It's yeah. just very ordinary. It's very ordinary. And it's hard to say how the Tamakis are achieving this. But there's a bit of a longing. I felt reading those that montage a bit of a, man, what a way to spend the day. In like an envious way or in like a judgmental way? No, in an envious way. In a sort of like, oh, man, I remember what it was like to do that. And it's unlikely I'll get a day like that again. That's a day available only to a teenager during the summer. But in a sense to me... There's also a hint of a void. Yes, there's definitely some sadness to it. There's something, uh, something's a bit off here. There's a bit of loneliness, I think, also is yes, part of it. There's a lot of Rose on her own. Yeah. And her parents on their own. Yes. You don't really get any snapshots of her yeah. hanging out with her parents. Yeah. You know, there's definitely a tinge of a void, of a loneliness that is sort of broken. Oh, and before we get into that, you know, then we get into page 52, 53, where it's this like smorgasbord of panels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just each one with a timestamp. Just yeah. really just putting on contacts, stretching. And that's actually maybe her mom, I think, stretching, mm-hmm. peeling some corn. Like, it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then it's kind of broken. That whole sort of montage is broken at 9.17 p.m. when finally she sort of meets Wendy. Oh, no, she's been no, with she's Wendy. she's been hanging out with Wendy. But, but, they, but they go out. Yeah, and we're actually hearing them and because there's talk. no dialogue across yeah. this tableau. They, these, they this speak, montage. yeah. And, you know, I'm always crazy to talk about them that Let's talk about the panel count. What is that achieving for us? Right, because we start with glorious two-page spread of Rose on the bed. Next one is two one-page Two one-page. And then... And then the next page is two panels, so half-page, half-page. Yep. And then we get to a five-panel. Yep. And then we get to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten panel. And then we get to one, two, three, four... Five, six, seven, eight, ten again. So ten, ten. Yeah. So it's getting more and more dense. This is sort of like, and it affects how you read it also. Yeah. I mean, it's it's curious when you get to that page of Rose on the bed, the two-page spread, you'd think ordinarily, oh, there's no words here, but next page instantly. But yeah. actually you linger on it. Yeah. Right? You spend some time with it and you actually may spend less time on the other pages with the 10-panel page. Well, that one, your eyes just really just... Yeah. Okay, clocked it. Next one. You yeah. Know? It's a literal depiction of like, you know, like a fast-forward sound effect that goes like... Kinda, let's, get kinda, that, let's get that one more time. One more time? <laughs> let's go on the one. You do it with me? No. Okay. Absolutely not. It ramps up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it takes some time to charge up. And then it goes, boom, right? Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, it's a beautiful depiction of that. I didn't really clock it until we're talking about it right now. But yeah, what a way to depict the passing of time. I mean, comic books. Comic books. Comic books. They're okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's just such a, yeah, I, I think it's just such a, there's such an ephemeral quality to it. Mm. There's longing, there's sadness, there's also some joy. It's, it's just an incredible way to depict a single day of a summer. And so then we go into the other stuff, which is them watching the horror movie. 
for the listener, Nat's kind of just flipping all around the book. I don't know what he's doing. He's looking at the cover. He's looking at the back. He's well, flipping to the last I'm three pages. A realization, what are you doing? I'm having a realization right now because you talked about the purple. Actually, the purple's only in the cover. In the pages itself, it's pretty much black and white. I would say no, but I would I wouldn't say it's black. I would say this is a blue. This is that's, what, that's why I'm kind of flipping yeah, around and comparing yeah. to the cover because I'm trying to. No, see. No, the cover is definitely a stronger version of the purple, and I you know that's an interesting thing that we haven't talked about. Yeah, which is how does a cover relate to the interior? Right. Because that purple, I mean, so the book itself is not that purple inside, but the cover does sort of infect the darker blue of the interior. Mm, mm, right, mm. where you're still kind of projecting that purple inwards. Yeah. I mean, I would say if I were to really scrutinize it, it's like the slightest tinge of purple. Yeah. It's not it's, black, it's really, black. It's not, it's not yeah. black. It's definitely not a harsh black. It's yeah. not clean black. Let's move on to the next part which is their visit to the convenience store. Yeah, yeah. Which is where we sort of get the first glimpse into this world of emerging puberty and emerging consciousness of yeah. sex and, you know, being exposed to it in this external environment, which I think is really what they're exploring. So what's Nat's describing is that they go to the video store and the video store is populated by older teenagers. Yeah. One of them who works at the front desk. And they're kind of having these conversations that maybe Wendy and Rose shouldn't be hearing. Yeah. But that's also just how it goes. In the real world. Yeah, you're right. You, you aren't actually fully insulated from these situations. Yeah. People are always bringing in things that you think a kid, oh, shouldn't hear. It does remind me of recently, I mean, literally yesterday. Yeah. I was on Instagram and I saw this influencer and she's a mom and she posted this series of Instagram stories ranting about how her kid was at the playground and there was this older kid who was running around and, and, and dropping F-bombs everywhere. Right, right. And she as a parent was so upset and, and that kid's parents weren't around. So she went out to the kid and she confronted confronted the kid and she yeah. said if you drop one more f-bomb you're getting out of the playground and she yeah. was so angry and she posted this series of stories and then a couple hours later or like later that day she posted a follow-up story kind of saying okay this is what people have been messaging me about yeah. and what i'm learning which is number one the playground's a public place yes and if she wasn't comfortable she should have taken a child out of that situation right rather than reprimand the older child uh-huh another thing about it is that people ha- were messaging her about in response to her original story was you cannot insulate your child from yeah. this kind of language or these influences. What's more important is teaching your child how to respond or how to not emulate. If that is the sort of value that you wish to bring up your child with, it's more important to teach them how to not emulate or how to behave differently yeah. rather than sheltering them or insulating them from these things entirely. So there's, uh, that's that would have been perfect for a section we didn't read, which I think is immediately before that, right? which is where Wendy and Rose are at the video store and some other people are talking about this other girl they know and they keep calling her a, a slut. Ah, so that explains why they're in that one sort of full panel page. Sorry, I'm going back a bit. Yeah. But on, this is basically on page 44. There's a close-up of her and her mom's feet walking and every step she takes is sort of these words, slut, 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 slut. Yes, yeah, because yeah. immediately before this, Wendy and Rose were talking about this girl, and they're like, "Oh, she's a slut." Anyway, and her mom and Wendy's aunt come back, and they're like, um, "Why are you talking like that? We don't like you talking like that. That's not an appropriate way to be mm. talking." And the word "slut" kind of has a recurring effect throughout the graphic novel mm. as a sort of maybe like this singular symbol of Rose confronting the adult world or what she sees as the adult world mm. and this eagerness to be a part of it mm. and be a part of these teenagers that she's seeing their lives. Mm. Yeah. I mean, why does she pick up the Texas Chainsaw Massacre anyway? Do you remember this part? Let me recap. So going back to the video store or the yeah. convenience store. Well, it's technically out of their age range. 
and they're not supposed to pick it up. Right, the forbidden fruit sort of thing. Yeah, and then do you remember what the clock says around them? You guys are like 15 or something? Yeah. And then they nod. Yeah. And then he goes, whatever, these guys are cool. You're cool, right? Yeah. Right. And if you go back, look at the big grin on, on Rose's face. Right, right. right. It's, like a, it's like a validation. Yeah. It's just sort of this, you know. She's really excited to be part of this world. And I think that's the part of the transience I didn't get to earlier, which is that what Rose is so eager is to be in this permanent stage of adulthood. Right. To leave this liminal and space. And aren't we all at that age? I mean, we've all done it. We've all watched shows with our friends that we shouldn't be watching at that exactly, age. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, Nat, name one for us. I actually have a very distinct memory. Oh, okay, Me okay, and my friends, we had a sleepover and we were maybe about, I would say, nine or ten. Uh-huh. And we watched Freddy versus Jason. Oh, man. <laughs> at least watch something good if you're going to do that. No, you know? I don't know how we got our hands on it because those were the days of DVDs still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know how we got our hands on it. Um, it was the first time... I think I saw full frontal nudity. Oh, oh, yeah. so it wasn't just violence. It wasn't okay, just violence. Okay, there was okay. nudity in it as well. I remember wow. the exact scene wow. and my first time and I kind of looked at my friends and I'm like, are we allowed to be watching this? <laughs> I mean, that's what I was thinking. So I know I know that yeah. feeling exactly. Well, because right? also within I don't know that... if my parents know I watched that. Well, no. Well, they, don't, they don't listen to the okay, podcast. Well, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then we've got that really great, those few pages where they are watching it and freaking out. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. With all and this. that's so true. Yeah, like, that was basically me. This nervous excitement and then suddenly you're like, oh, no, I really don't. Like, like you know, look at the windy panels there. Could yeah. You, yeah, could you describe yeah. Um, what's going on there? So coming out of the laptop are all these sounds and just bzzz, ah, bzzz, people getting killed and massacred. And then Windy is kind of covering her face with her shirt just up to her eyes. And then they both kind of like throw the sheets over their heads. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they're underneath. I, I, I want to go back to the panel where Wendy's holding the sheets in front of her eyes. Yeah. Because we've got the sound effects going around it. Right. And so uh, Jillian Tamaki is creating a sense of claustrophobia. Mm. Right. And then the second they pull and, the sheets over, the sound effects disappear. And yeah. the way that she drew the speech bubbles yeah. are like kind of onomatopoeic. Yeah. Right. Like the splash one is like a water splash. Yeah. The buzz is sort of like jagged. I mean, ah, the screams are kind of like goopy and melty and they're all invading windy space yeah yeah and then once the sheet comes over the sounds disappear well there's one kind of still kind of peeking out from the laptop but when we see but that's from a perspective outside the blanket right when we're when inside we, when we're inside the blanket it's gone yeah, yeah yeah that's cool and very relatable i mean we've all we've, yeah i've totally done this i want to go to a different splash page sure that, that i was like ah there were two things i was like i need these pages in so there was the montage and then the other one is when they're listening to the music was when Wendy starts playing the music mm. and starts dancing. Just that this one, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So this is on page seventy and seventy-one, and so this is when Rose is monologuing about, yeah. you know, I know a little bit about sex and thinking about what she's heard about it and things like that. And while she's writing a card mm. to her mom, Wendy is turned on some music. You see all these music notes that are really just filling the panels. She's dancing, and then you turn the page at page sixty-nine, and you just get this. This is really beautiful. This yeah. full page, two page spread, Rose sitting at the table in the background and the foreground is windy and there's like just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight figures of yeah. her yeah. dancing around the dining room table. It's faux animation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, because it's eight windies when in reality, if we're being really firm about comic books or panels, it'd be one windy, right? But it's eight windies across a single two page panel. Mm. Right, we're, we're getting not just a moment in time, we're getting a series of moments in time. And I think to go to this thing about blocking the way Jillian Tamaki draws Wendy's figure, 
there's just so much comfort and security it's in so it. Good. It's there's so good. N- there's no nervousness about it. Yeah, there's yeah. just this raw, just like, yeah, I'm, I'm dancing to dance. I'm, I don't care who's looking, what this is for. I'm dancing because my body wants to move yeah. in this moment. Yeah, and I'm, I'm no artist. I'm no visual artist, but I do consume my fair share of like, art content on YouTube. It's just a, a corner of YouTube I like yeah. to occupy, watching people draw and, and doodle and stuff like that. And I know that it's not easy to draw such loose poses. Yeah. Like the poses Anatomically, that Wendy yeah. takes up in each of these eight snapshots. Yeah. The joints are loose. There is this sense of like, what's the word? Flexibility is the wrong word. It's the sense of like, Sort of relaxed. Yeah, maybe. relaxed. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. relaxation. Relaxed, yeah. malleable, Ease. malleable. Yeah, sort of. She's just flowing. Yeah, maybe flow is the flow. Word. That's a you yeah. Know? That's and the to, word. To capture yeah. the flow in her movement through this full animation is way harder than I think a lot of people give credit to. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is another one of those instances. No words on the page, mm. and you're gonna linger on it. The lack of words is actually gonna make you spend more time on it. Yeah, you know. This is, we're still in the first half of what Nat read. And let's talk about how it closes the transition out of this, of this moment, right? When we're going into the beach. Right. So then they, it kind of goes to the conversation that they're having. They play a little game. Yeah, did you ever play that game? No, I, this is unfamiliar to Oh, me. man, I definitely... It's, 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 I don't know how to describe this to a listener, but it's like the, when you fold the paper and then each edge of the oh, paper no, corresponds that. to... Yeah. But our one is like the thing where you open and you know, like you do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that thing? I right, don't know right, how to right. describe it. Like it's, like a, it's like a little mouth that you can open vertically. Or a flower that, yeah, 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 that yeah, petals. Yeah. Yeah. This one just seems like you just count. Yeah, yeah. So it's a grid and then you... Oh, yeah, sorry. It's a grid and then you count around yeah, it. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And each edge of the grid means a different thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, something that we've all done yes. in some form, yeah. right? Like, oh, this is your fate now because you chose this yeah. or this chose you. Yeah, and then they go to the beach. And this this was an interesting page. This page is page 80 and 81. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a two-page spread. It's like a one in three one and a half page spread I mean yeah this is where we're blurring lines a little bit on like what's a picture book and what's a comic book and what's a graphic novel yeah because the primary text is on white space segmented from the image itself very hard line very hard line yeah and then the image is on the right of that yeah I'm picking up one and a half pages to be honest can I be honest with you? Yeah, you can be honest. I don't love this page. I think it's an interesting choice. Yeah. I, don't, I can't say that it affects me in the same way that some of the other choices make, but I, I think it's an interesting choice. And it had me thinking what was the purpose and what was the... Because going back to what you were saying yeah. about how they're trying to tell one story with image and text and yeah. not two... This feels like two stories. This feels like something from the drafts, you know, like... Sure. Yeah, like there's a clear separation between image and text. Well, let's go to the next page. Yeah, so this was weird to me, but then the next page... Yeah, it's just a wash of the sea slash sky, right? Unclear, to be honest. Unclear. And Unclear. I, and, and I think, and that's why I think they do the previous decision. Okay. Is because you have that white space of the text. And this is, again, this kind of faux animation approximating a flip book almost. Right. Right, and now because the sky slash sea, whatever this is, is occupying so much space you think a two-page spread is as much space as it can take. Well, you can actually take up more space than a two-page spread because you make us think that the two-page is smaller on the previous page with this white space. Yeah, I guess I guess I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. And then this one, though, the page that we sort of ended this section on, yes. this was my favorite page. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Tell me why, tell me why. This was, this, so this is now page, sorry, the page numbers don't always appear. When there's a two-page spread, there are no page numbers. Yeah, so apologize to the listener 80, 81, 82. and to Nat, who's counting <laughs> profusely. <laughs> so this is page 84 and 85, so yeah. the end of the first section I read. 
And this is like, I mean, in film, you'd say it's a wide, wide shot. Yeah. Right? You kind of, you're zoomed all the way back. You see the expanse of the sky. You kind of see the foreground of, of the rocks and also the sand stretching to the horizon into the sea. And these, just these two minuscule figures of Rose and Windy. And they're just walking. Almost silhouettes. Almost without, yeah. you know, without detail. Almost. They're walking and yeah. Wendy just says, you remember that time your mom made up that ghost story about the woman who carried her heart around in her purse? I mean, the text itself is inconsequential. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but it's about, again, the mood, the moment of them alone on this deserted beach. Yeah. It's nighttime, is it? Unclear. It's, it's approaching evening. Yeah. It's approaching evening. I, I, I think it's... Just the sequence of those images, right? It's we've got that white space and them going into the beach, and then we've got this sky slash sea, and then this. I mean, it's just so powerful. And I want to point out to the listener that Nat actually read past this point. Yeah, I want to say I think he was just so enamored, so pulled in by this. He just kind of keep going. I wanted to hear about the story of the woman who carried a heart around in a purse. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and now let's move to a bit more of the conflict-ridden section. Sure. So because this 96. has been pretty, this has been pretty flow, pretty easy state for them. Sort of like that moment of tranquility, the calm before the storm. Sure. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And now we're approaching a little bit of the storm. Mm. This section is the start of it is all dialogue free. Yeah. And I want to talk about blocking and the things that Tamaki is choosing, Jillian Tamaki is choosing, or Marco, I'm not, we don't know which one. Yeah. Both of them are choosing to highlight in, across these pages. Yeah. Like, when are we zooming in? When are we zooming out? What's big? What's small? Mm, mm. To describe again to the listener, these first two pages are Rose's parents. The evening is winding down. They're washing up the dishes. And then the dad approaches the mom and she drops the glass and it, the conflict kind of erupts from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, filmic language, sure. there's very clear camera movement. Okay. In that, in, in a sense, if, if I may borrow that metaphor, because we start with Rose just flopping. Literally, there's the word there, flop. She flops with the yeah. action line onto the couch. She cracks. And again, the little word crack is there. She cracks open a book. She's just chilling. She has a little smile on her face. She's content. Yeah. But then this this panel is sort of the transition panel where, yeah. the, where the camera moves. In the foreground, we kind of get a glimpse of her foot on the couch but then in the background further away are her parents and uh, and the coloring let's talk about the coloring of that panel foreground background how is Jillian Tamaki making us notice the focus of that scene right so her foot is light and then her parents are sort of dark it's starker white and black on the parents and everything else is a more mute gray slash purple yeah Yeah. and then the next panel we zoom into the parents Mm -hmm. but we still can't really tell what they're saying it's just squiggles Mm -hmm. right Signaling just inconsequential again. Mu- it's not muffled, re- yeah. I mean, this is the quote going back to the quote of Dylan Tamaki that it's Marco Tamaki's scripts aren't necessarily about what the characters are saying, it's about the blockages between them mm. and how can mm. the body explore that, right? Yeah, and then we zoom in tighter and it's the dad's face looking at the back of the mom's head. And then the next page, page 97, we get this sort of two page panel vertically split the dad trying to go in for a kiss on the mom's neck or something, and then. Boom, close up on her hand, slip, literally the word slip again. But tiny. Tiny. Yeah. Kind of similar to the slut, slut, slut we saw earlier. So I think she uses, whoever decides this, has used these sort of automatopoeic words. The sound effects, yeah. Quite interestingly, I think not that we've... Pushing the boundaries. Pushing the boundaries. Not not simply approximating the actual sound, Mm. which Mm. is, I think, how conventionally we think of it. It's actually, I would say, more, again, going back to mood. Yeah. The choice of these words is not just about onomatopoeia and sound effects. Yeah. It's also 
conveying a mood. Yes. Yes, it adds to the whole It's like the slip atmosphere. The slip is more than just a physical slip. There maybe is a slip in emotion. There's a yes. slip in judgment. Yeah. There's yeah. a slip in tension. Yeah. You know? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But then signified by the slip of the bowl. Yeah. Crashing into the floor on the next page. In slow motion. <laughs> yeah. Which so. is, you know, again, to reiterate, we're reading a graphic novel. Yeah. Nothing is actually in motion, but Jillian Tamaki accomplishments slow motion with this panel of the mug breaking. A bowl. A bowl. Yes. And then the first piece of conversation is, oh shit. Yeah. You know, as she drops it. But up to that point, it's quote unquote silent. Yes. You know, it's just the physicality, the framing. The bodies, the blocking. The motion. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it captures the emotion and the mood of that scene yeah. really well. And then literally the bowl breaks. Yeah. The tension breaks and then they're talking the yeah. argument starts yeah yeah. you know and again an argument the nature of which many of us would have heard before yeah you know we're in the room our parents are arguing most people who live with both parents would be familiar with that and it's it's the kind of argument where it's about one thing but actually it's about something it's way not about the bowl. different <laughs> yeah <laughs> no one cares about the bowl <laughs> yeah yeah and I want to go and you know we're moving nearer to the end of what we've been reading and I want to go to that moment when they go on the walk Sure. Because I love that section. Sure. We've got this very honest depiction of what happens after these fights, the fallout of these fights, and this divide between the parents and Rose clearly being more angry at her mother than her father for reasons that are clear throughout the rest of the book, maybe not so much within these pages. And then her dad comes in and he's like, let's go for a walk. Mm. And I just love the atmosphere and the coloring of these pages. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they go for a walk. Uh, he says, let's go look at some stars. And so obviously it's nighttime. Yeah. And I think purple comes out here the strongest yeah. because the sky is just painted blackish purple. Yeah. Right. And we see the stars. We see this moon that is way too big. Like massive moon. <laughs> like a moon that's so big that they would be feeling it, the gravity of it on their faces. Their cheeks would be wobbling. Like they may not be on earth anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a beautiful image. Yeah. It's it it does something. Image. It has yeah. an effect. We've got them looking at the stars. Yeah. Right. We finally got a view of the stars. And actually, this is the text. The text on the left page in white across these stars, which are also white, is finally the reveal of where so much of the drama is coming between these parents. Right, right. So it's Rose, again, internal monologue yes. about how her parents were trying for a baby. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, important context for the listener slash Nat is that this is when the reader finds out as well. Right. So the reader up to this point doesn't actually know why the parents have so much tension with each other and why it seems like this trip has got so much riding on it mm. and why the mother is so non-communicative and what the mother's going through. We're actually presented it primarily through Rose's perspective. And we're like, man, this mom just kind of doesn't like Rose that much. Yeah. And then suddenly we get this huge reveal of what, what happened. Right. And why this And such- for context of those who didn't read it, it's really basically that the mom and dad were trying for a baby. Yeah. The mom was taking all these drugs and, and doing all these things, but no baby. And it says here, because my mom's body didn't want one or parts of it, uterus or something, which again, points to that very nascent knowledge yeah. of- Partial knowledge of what's yeah, going on. Yeah, of what's going on. And then, you know, and I guess the dad still wants one, but the mom has sort of given up. Yeah. And it's- Yeah, I mean, you know, if we could have read this whole thing, I would have had you read this whole thing. Listeners, I'm going to spoil us something. Like, I want to go past this point, right? And we go to this massive white space. Yep. Right. So this confused me. Yeah. 
this confused me. Yeah. So after the the blackness of the night sky, of the night sky, and and Rose monologuing, we turn the page, and suddenly it's just like blinding white, no blacks at all, and this this giant circle in the middle. So I thought somebody was looking at the sun. Yeah. Right. And then we have these like, speech bubbles floating around. Like, are yeah. you looking at me? Okay, don't stop looking. I've got you. Okay, ready? Don't stop. Okay. Yeah. So I was confused. I I stayed here for a while trying to figure out what I'm looking at. I went back. Yeah. Trying to figure out. Okay, wait. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. it the moon? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Has it finally come crashing down <laughs> on them? <laughs> but then you turn the page and it all makes sense, right? It's when you open your eyes in the water. Yeah. And you're looking at the murky sun sitting above yeah. you know in the sky yeah. that's what you're looking at and then you kind of see a flashback of, of Rosa's mom teaching her how to open her eyes in the water yeah. which I you know is a metaphor for something that I've not really fully understand yet All right, right yeah <laughs> well okay so this is the spoiler for the listeners yeah Rose later learns how her mom found out she lost a baby mm. and it was in the surf oh. she was in the water and then suddenly she felt something and she put her hand um, to her region and then she realized there was blood on it and she's not telling Rose this she's telling Wendy's aunt this right and Rose is overhearing it right which is again coming back to this like what is the child meant to hear and so much of what makes Rose angry is that her mom refuses to swim with her mm. because she's got these precious memories of them coming to the surf and going in together like right. the one you're seeing right, right. here right. and now the mom won't do it and she doesn't understand why right wow that's wow yeah that's good. It's good stuff. It's good writing. <laughs> it's really good. It's really, I mean, let's really... let's just end it here. It's just, this is a good... Okay, you want to read this? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the metaphor of the water, the stars, the yeah. moon. I mean, I'm still processing it, but mm-hmm. I think there's something about the nature imagery. Mm. And, and there are so many of these moments where the humans are engulfed by nature. Right? Yeah. Whether it's Rose and Windy on the beach or the dad and Rose in the blackness of the night sky and this giant moon. I mean, the moon is also, I mean, you know, we want to get into the more literary analysis of it, right? The moon is also a symbol of motherhood very often. Right. Um, that image of the sun could also be perceived as a birth, yeah. right? Because it is, the, the shape of the sun is sort of simulating a vaginal opening right. of a birth. Right, 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 right. So there's really layers in this one summer that could be missed on a young adult just reading it and just, oh, I love this. But actually, anyone can read it and gain something from it. And I guess what I was getting at is that sense of being engulfed by nature really drives home the feeling of being small Mm -hmm. and being dwarfed. And I think that is maybe my read of how Rose might feel in this situation, just so overwhelmed by this new world that mm-hmm. is lying before her, whether that's about sexuality or puberty mm-hmm. or just like her parents' relationship. You know, as a kid, you you think so little about these complex things, but Rose is entering this liminal space, this part of her life where all these things are suddenly coming to the surface. Yeah. And it's like she needs to make sense of it with a very limited understanding uterus or something. Like right. and I can imagine how small she must feel, especially when her parents are so distant, especially when she's spending her days so alone. Yeah. And so I think that sense of smallness really, really comes through really beautifully. And you know, to go back, you know, I just want to in terms of literary analysis also, the water, womb comfort of the womb things like that and this point about what you're making that right about how small rose feels right it's then incredible to go back to the thing i was bringing up which is that people want to ban this book 
Yeah. When this book is precisely about what happens when knowledge is blocked. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's exactly what this book is about. This book is about what happens when we try to protect kids from things we think they shouldn't know, which they end up hearing about anyway, and they end up being deeply disturbed because they don't know if they're supposed to know with it. They don't know how to grapple with it. Yeah. When this book is exactly about that. <laughs> and we've got people who are like, no, 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 nobody should read this. So Nat, you know, we this and take note that sure. if you say no to this next answer, <laughs> you are siding with the people who want this book banned. Right. Let me think real hard about my answer right now. Nat, would you keep reading? Yeah, of course. I mean, this is great. I mean, beyond the bit itself, you would keep reading, yeah, right? I think I will finish this yeah. after we finish recording this yeah. today. I mean, I like things that end. I mean, you know that one of my big aversions to comics yeah. is the fact that they go on forever and it just becomes this overwhelming thing that I just can't access. Yeah. If something ends, I'm more drawn towards it. And so I definitely want to just read this to completion. And you know, I, I thought you were going to bring this up, but you didn't bring this up. Nat's actually worked on a, his own picture book about yeah, puberty. I was going to get into yeah, that. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I hinted at it earlier in the episode where I talked about I have a sort of personal vested interest in this. I mean... Not so much now in my current work, but there was a period of time back in college. I think I was in junior year. I went on a trip to like a little artist retreat trip to Maine and it was amazing. I mean, almost approximating the cottage yeah. of this one summer, I mean, right? really, the, the landscape, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the sort of, there was really a night we went out to look at the stars. The yeah. moon wasn't quite as big. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> but yeah, it was, yeah, you're right. Actually, now that you mentioned yeah. it, very similar landscape and setting and Somehow, the work that came out of that retreat was this picture book about puberty. And yeah. it was centered around the motif of hands mm -hmm. and what we do with our hands. And it started with a lot of the quote-unquote innocuous things inspired by what I did in Maine, which was like catch crabs and, you know, uh, swing on ropes and get rope burns and things like that. But it translated into using our hands to explore our own bodies, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a journey that I went through as most teenage prepubescent boys I believe go through very much alone without guidance no one without, guided me no and, one and, you know and <laughs> and if it's not alone it's with some very unwelcome advice <laughs> yeah. from someone yeah. from someone else yeah. in your peer group yeah 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 yeah. so you know very much figuring things out alone actually to caveat alone with the internet which usually it's not which is maybe <laughs> yeah, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know not the best source no, of no, advice no, 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 um, no. when it comes to these things yeah and, and I think I was just trying to reflect on, on, similar to this, that feeling of trying to navigate suddenly. Mm -hmm. I mean, going back to this page of the white bright circle, mm. when you discover that part of existence, mm -hmm. that my body can feel this way and do these bodily functions that I never knew existed. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, I remember that moment where yeah. like, whoa, what yeah, is this yeah, yeah, now? Yeah, this right, whole right. new world opens and then all you can do is explore. But then because of my upbringing in a very religious background, and I'm still religious to a large extent, but because of that upbringing and Christian guilt and all those things, it becomes this very confused journey. Yeah. I mean, and that's also, and to bring it back to this one summer, right? Even though it's very different gendered experiences, there is this underlying sense of guilt. Yeah. Um, and shame that this book is trying to tackle. And I think with your picture book, you were also tackling, right? Yeah. And how can we discuss these things rather than try to hide them away? Exactly, exactly. And this is going to take me to my other question. Sure. Right? If you like X, you'd like this one summer. Yeah. And Nat has to fill in the blanks and I also have to fill in the blanks. Correct. And it can be from any media. Yeah. Um, and you can't say Ladybird. I you know, I know, Ladybird. I know. 
what I will say, and this, because I actually think this book is a combination of two things. It's a combination of Ladybird, which I've yeah. already mentioned. Yeah. And I think it's a combination of Turning Red. Okay, I didn't see Turning Red. You didn't see Turning Red. So yeah, yeah. It's the Disney film. And it's this Asian American girl. It's very similar going through puberty. They use this, the symbol of transformation, of, right? Transformation, yeah. turning into this big, angry red panda. But I think what I loved about that film is, is again, how they captured and addressed the feelings that encroach Mm-hmm. and ambush you mm. when you reach that age. That's a great word, ambush. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. then you're suddenly struck with, I-, I don't know what to do with this. And then the, the, the protagonist of Turning Red, she goes through that when suddenly she goes from hating boys to suddenly like, I can't stop thinking about this boy and I don't yeah. know what to do with this feeling. You know, And so I, I think very different mood, mm-hmm. very different tone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think content-wise, uh, there's a lot of similarities there. And my offering, uh, if you'd like X, you'd like this. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of tempted... I think two things I think of, but even I think they're both wrong, genre-wise, okay? okay? I think Eighth Grade by Bo Burnham, the film Eighth Grade. Oh, I've not seen that. Is that like a comedy special? No. Oh. No, it's about an eighth grade student. Oh, it's a film film? Yeah, it's a film. It's oh, a film. I didn't know it's Bo film directed did films. And wow. wrote. Um, and the reason I say it's wrong genre-wise is because Eighth Grade is a horror movie. <laughs> it's a horror movie without any horror elements, but there's just this... Oh, it's just it's just kind of an excruciating watch. Okay. But I think it's, it's, it's similarly honest to this one summer. And the other one, I think... And this is maybe going a little bit back more to the central friendship of this one summer is Booksmart, Don't a comedy that. directed by Olivia Wilde, I think from 2019. And that's a terrific, that's a really, really funny movie that's also about these two girls who are best friends about to go into college. So they're slightly older than Wendy mm-hmm. and Rose, but also about sort of their evolving friendship slash, you know, whether this friendship is sticking around as they enter this next stage of their lives. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, and Booksmart is also a very raucous comedy. So again, right. it still doesn't feel right. Totally off. Totally I mean, everything off. we've recommended, totally yeah, 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 off. Yeah. But subject matter, somewhere there. Somewhere yeah. in the ballpark. <laughs> and then, so then the... To end us off, yeah. you know, we're still figuring this pipeline out, but yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. we're presenting a pipeline of yeah, content. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so if you liked something, then you should read this. And then if you read this and you like this, you should also check out... I mean, you could also go backwards. I mean, it works either way. So I don't really know what... True. <laughs> True. True. It's just a way for us to recommend more things. Yeah. Well, so you've got to ask it to me, right? Well, yeah, yeah. What else would you recommend if someone reads this, they like it? What's next in the pipeline? Oh, man, I'm I'm torn. I'm torn. I wish I had read Roaming by now. Is that the other book? That's that they... the third collaboration between them. Just recommend it. I'd recommend Roaming. What's so hard to recommend from this one summer is because the mood that the Tamakis achieve in this is so difficult. Yeah. Like, it's just impossible to think of other comics that I think are doing it at this level. Right. So it's really hard for me to think of something. But I, I think the other thing I would suggest is Giant Days by John Allison with art by Max Saren and Lisa Tryman, which is about a group of girls who start college together. Uh, and there's a lot about friendship and there's a lot of humor in it. And I think we didn't read some of the funny sections in this one summer, but there are a lot of funny sections, especially from Wendy. So that, I think that would be my recommendation. I want to recommend, you know, my picture book, that is not available anywhere. Yeah, that nobody can get to. But if you ever want to read it, just drop me an email. Oh um, yeah, we got to shout out the email. We got to <laughs> shout out the email. We drop can't us forget. an email. At, you know, I don't even remember what it is, but I think it's comicsans at andasproductions.com. I think it's andas at comicsansproductions.info.gov. .dov? .dov. It's somewhere there in the show notes. If you want to, you know, I'll send you the picture book. I mean... Okay, well, you know... Check out this one summer. Get it from your local library, folks. Yeah. Prove these people if wrong. If it's not banned already. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to Comic Sans. We'll see you on the next page. See ya. Thanks for listening to Comic Sans. 
This is an Andas Productions podcast hosted by Mao Yente and Nathaniel Ma and produced by Roshan Singh Sambi and Scott Lee Chua. Our cover art is by Isabel Fang. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow and rate Comic Sans. And while you're at it, follow us on social media at Comic Sans Pod. Links are in the description below.